0: What's up, friends? Grant Bolton here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 412 of the Speak Lab podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. Jake Thompson. Jake has a a lot going on in his world, and I'm really excited to have him here today sharing about his speaking journey and career. Now, the past couple of years have been game changers for Jake's career and speaking business. Since finishing a training program with the Speaker Lab back in 2017, he's put in a ton of sweat equity to get gigs, write a book, and build his brand. His commitment to keeping the momentum, finding opportunities for growth are incredible and have really allowed him to actually triple his income. You name it, he's doing it. But here's the thing he has really Narrowed down the topic and the focus. And because of that, he's really built repeat business referrals and consulting opportunities because he knows the problem he solves for his audience and he's consistently bringing that to the stage. During this episode, Jake's going to talk about the evolution of his mental game, how he's managing all the different pieces of his business, including a new role as a fractional executive at a company as their head of performance. He's got insight on the importance of investing in yourself, taking the right risk, and focusing on the process of moving your career forward. His story is a a one-of-a-kind and also an example of the incredible opportunities that can exist when you have the right mindset, a defined message, and the desire to level up. You're going to love Jake's story, so let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Jake Thompson. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speak Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. I'm excited to have a, uh, a good friend of mine we've known for, I don't know, several years now, uh, who's back on episode 205, but he's back to give us kind of an update. Excited to have uh, my man Jake Thompson here. So, Jake, how are you, brother? I'm good, man. Let's kind of talk about uh, where you're at now, because uh, when we met at the time I was in the speaking world is still speaking quite a bit. And, uh, over the years, you've been interested in speaking. We've kind of crossed paths. You, you live in Dallas, uh, most of the time. And so I, had uh, done a couple gigs down there and we'd meet up and, um, you you know you reached out a couple of times you're just like hey i'm interested in speaking and uh, you know we kind of talked that through and kind of like seemed like you kind of dabbled in it but then a couple of years ago like right before covid like okay i'm going all in on this covid hits uh slows everything down for a minute but kind of catch us up like what have the past couple of years been like in your speaking business while as far as you're trying to figure out, you know, those early stages of who am I speaking to? What am I speaking about? What's that problem that I'm solving? I'm making some pivots and iterations, but I mean, you're hitting some serious traction now, which we'll we'll get to. But kind of take, paint us the picture here of what the past couple of years have been like.
1: Yeah. So the the funny part about the past couple of years is I invested in and started running down the path. We'll say 2016 after just occasionally groups reaching out to speak, and then 2017 went through your program and it was like, oh. This is the business side. 2018 did, I don't know, five to eight gigs, maybe half were paid. And then 2019 was like, boom, let's go because I finally was catching the leads. And so 2019, I felt great. Uh, I think that first full-time year I probably did 65,000, which isn't a big deal um, from like an overall speaker industry, but like first year, full-time speaking, still mm-hmm. had Compete Every Day as my brand. Um, I was like, okay, maybe I can get a living on this end of January of 2020. I'd already doubled that in contracts. Obviously all of us remember what happened about two months later. Um, But I still was able to grow it. So in 20, I'm very fortunate in 2020, the business speaking business still grew 20 to 30,000 because one, I could pivot to virtual two, I had lost gigs in 18 and 19 for not having a book. So I was like, I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Wrote my book, published the book in 2020 that opened a ton of doors and just tried to keep the momentum. 2021 was a little bit more growth, Um, really carrying over older contracts, still getting new ones. We know how awkward the landscape has been. A lot of groups weren't doing in person in 2021. I was like, I'll fly anywhere in the country. Pretty much from the end of 2020, I was any, anywhere that wants in person, I'll go, I'll do it, let's go. And so 2021 was good, but I felt really good about 2022 for a few reasons. My book had been out a year and a half at that point. I was feeling like I was really hitting into the niche. Everything that you were on me about of going after everybody solely because my inbound is so diverse because of the brand I've built. I really started picking narrower lanes of who to attack and really what problem to solve. That paired with the book getting in more hands, with me getting on more stages, more people seeing it, just kind of hit the right momentum to where the end of last year into this year, from a speaking income, I tripled last year's income this year. Um, and obviously we're recording this in August, so there's still more opportunities throughout the year to to see what else we can do this year. Um, but Okay, hang on, hang that, on. So we're yeah. so we're
0: eight months into the year and you've tripled what you did all of 2021?
1: I've tripled what I did of 2021. That's crazy. And that's not including the coaching and consulting I've brought in because of speaking.
0: Wow. All right. So, so you've tripled. It. Can, is there any number? What like what can you share with us? What numbers are you comfortable with?
1: Yeah. So this year, I'll do as of, if I don't book another gig. Will be about three hundred thousand.
0: That's amazing. That's um, awesome. Man. And
1: so part of that, there's a few things that that led into that. One, uh, getting really narrow on who I'm going after, what problem I solve, kind of the two to three industries that really work for me. Understanding that, being on. A bunch of stages, whether it's a lower paying gig a couple of years ago or, or getting paid well and then doing well on the stages and working the referral process off of it. Really the last three years, over 50% of my business has been repeat business, mm-hmm. which has been awesome um, and pretty rare, um, but it's a lot more in corporate. And then, so those two pair really well together. And then finally, my business coach, Carrie Wilkerson, our friend mm-hmm. was like, you need to stop. Like asking for lower fees. Like, I was taking some lower fees because I was like, I just got to get reps. Like, in my head, I was like, I need reps. I need in front of more people, whatever it takes. And she's like, Well, yeah, but like, you're getting really good gigs and you're doing really well and getting referral. You don't need to take lower paying fees. You got to change your mindset around that. And so, uh, that paired with a client, which is funny, led to the other part of the story we'll get into. The client was like, Hey, what's your fee for the, this event? And I told him, he's like, he's like, I'm in. But he was like, the next time you ever bill me for an event, I want you to double that. Like wow. he just told me, uh, he was like, you haven't even spoken to us yet. But like, I think I charged him maybe 7,500. And he was yeah. like, if it's not 15, it's a disappointment. Well, now I got that started building momentum. And I was like, I'm going to start taking bigger shots. And so now I'm consistently over the last three-ish months, I'm booking anywhere from 12.5 to 20K a gig. Um, And part of that was just having the confidence to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Part of it was I have the track record that if clients are rebooking me, I'm doing a great job. And so I should know I can bring that value. And so all of those kind of came together this year to where not probably doing a ton more gigs than I did last year, but I'm charging substantially more, yeah. which changes that dynamic as you go forward. Because would you want to do hundred gigs a year at 5k? I and mean, that's pretty exhausting. Or do you want mm-hmm. to do 50 gigs at 10k or, you know, kind of go from there. So that's kind of been the mentality is how can I be more strategic with the clients I work with the things I take on knowing that I'm going to ask for a higher dollar amount because I want to work with less people so I can go deeper on those relationships.
0: Uh, one of the things that you you know one of the brands that you've been known for that you have built again outside of this is this idea of competing every day and you have an apparel company around this um and it's something that i know you really teach and preach uh and so i'm curious for, as you as your business has kind of evolved over the past couple years going from i think i could be a speaker to okay i'm starting to book a few gigs to i'm starting to charge a little bit more to you know could i even charge twenty thousand dollars like what's the mental journey been like for you as far as just building up the confidence that that, yeah, I I can be a speaker. Yes, I can charge. Yes, I can charge more. Yes, I can do gigs. Yes, I do deserve to be here. Like, How has that mental process played out over the past couple of years?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you kick yourself after the fact for not making the mental shifts earlier. It's like we laugh about of everybody's first gig. Like Mine was 2017 was the first time I really got asked a fee. And I think I spent 30 to 45 minutes crafting the email deleting it crafting it deleting it to ask for like a thousand bucks and they responded instantly and I was like oh it's too low and the (laughs) event planner later was like you're way too low so like once you do that you're like oh I need to start charging more and so part of it like it's that uncomfortable of like I'm gonna ask and like hey I've got four gigs this month I know I'm gonna make 20 we'll say 25k this month you know a year ago uh if somebody else comes in it's like when that surge pricing. I don't necessarily need this other gig. So I'm going to take a shot. And when somebody says yes to that, you're like, oh, well, maybe I need to raise what my minimum is and start charging that. I know uh, y'all have talked about it here on the show. I know Andrew Davis has talked about kind of his surge pricing. He Mm -hmm. looks at his calendar. He's like, January, I'm always booked. So I'm never going to take below fee, but in June, I hardly get a gig. So I may go below fee for that yeah I've started kind of looking at that in the realm of life and saying, like my wife and I love to travel. We've already we just booked a trip for next March. I know the dates I'm gone. If I have a gig right after that or right before that, I'm going to charge more because that's an added something on top of, the stress of travel or right, right when I get back. Like, I want to be able to, to go and enjoy it. And so I'm looking from a life standpoint of do I want to add more to my calendar? And if I do, I'm going to increase. Or if I have a wide open calendar, let's go do it. Um, and so that really mindset shift has been around it. But just understanding when clients, me re, repositioning and reframing it, when clients are rebooking me, it means I'm bringing value. And if I'm bringing value, I deserve to get paid what I've. Him worth. Yeah. Um, and if they feel that they're going to pay me an amount and then want to book me again for it, then I'm adding that much value to their organization. Um, then I need to start looking at it with all the organizations I work with. And, and obviously working some with their budget, depending on who they are, but streamlining it much more effectively. So that, that's that been a big piece. The, the bigger challenge, honestly, has been on the apparel side because I started slinging t-shirts out of the trunk of my car The brand is very tied into who I am. But as I've grown, I've stopped caring if we become a multi million dollar apparel company and started looking at the apparel as can the apparel business as its own make just a little bit of money, doesn't have to be super profitable. Can we grow year over year just a little bit? But knowing it creates an outlet to create speaking leads for me, as well as additional chances for me to reinforce the messages I teach from the book, the podcast, the stage on a t-shirt that helps me build that longer relationship with somebody that, you know, maybe a year from now they've been buying compete everyday stuff and they get put in a position at their company where they can hire a speaker or influence it. And that's what I'm seeing. So that's kind of that letting go of that baby is like, I've got to grow this, I got to build this. And just saying how can I help people build this competitive mindset in whatever form has really been the biggest shift for me.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to uh again 2017 or so you yep. you jump in with the speaker lab you join one of our programs uh and and get after it uh and then you fast forward 5 years and you've I mean at this point it sounds like you've generated uh cumulatively maybe close to a million dollars um in speaking fees consulting coaching um yep. which is crazy that's uh has it has it uh has that five-year journey like did you anticipate that has that exceeded your expectations and then also i guess what would you say to someone who's listening who's like all right i've been following the speaker lab for a while and i'm intrigued and i i would love to do this and i wish i would have started five years ago but here i am today and so uh kind of talk us through what what you would say to them
1: yeah so i I think I'm still below my expectations uh, because I, I want to be that million-a-year speaker that's earning it uh, from that keynote and consulting. Um, I've got some cool opportunities where that's very close, I think. Um, but what I would say is, you know, I had an advantage in the fact that I built a brand and a business that was very consumer-facing that helped, I would say, have give me somewhat of a platform. Um, but the disadvantage of that is, it wasn't the same audience who was going to book me. Yep. And so even though I had people that followed me and a lot of people made look, Oh, I'd love to have a brand like that. Most of them at the time, when I started speaking, weren't the people hiring me. One person was one person here, one person there. I think 2017 and 18, I got like maybe three ish gigs maybe mm-hmm. because of that. And it was less 2000 bucks for fee, but like total. So I, I say that to say like, You can look at the where I'm at now and think, must be nice or wish I'd started. But I can tell you like my attitude and we laughed before we went off air. Like when I went to the lab, it was like, I got to learn this. I'm going to put this in practice and I'm just going to work it and I'm going to work it. I'm going to try this outbound thing and I'm going to start reaching out to folks and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to fight Grant on that. I need a niche, (laughs) but I'm still going to do it. And so when I went heavy down that path, it took a while. And it takes, I mean, you hear me like I'm sending out emails and 16, I'm getting a little bit of imbalance, 17, I'm sending out tons of emails, 18, I'm not really booking much, but I'm sending out tons of emails, yeah. building relationships, 19, I start to get a little bit, 20 looks really good Then COVID, hit, but I already had some of those relationships. So I just kept the conversations going. I have groups now that, I mean, some of them have like tried to book for a couple of years, and we've just had ongoing where I haven't gotten the gig. And so we're still in talks. Hey, we've talked for next year. We don't think it's fit for this year, but let's look at next year. Just keep working it. So for someone sitting on the sidelines, like, what is the goal for you? Like me, I've got very specific targets, but the best way to do is get in and start working the system and, and understand everything y'all are teaching is 100% applicable and works. There's no timeline because the timeline varies on how good are you at communicating, what problem you solve to the right audience. How consistent are you at not only learning the work, but doing the outbound and getting on stages and getting reps and being willing as we all have to look a little bit foolish on stage on your first gig that you're nervous about. But you know, I've gotta get in front of people. I gotta try this one story in front of an audience. I don't know if it's 100% gonna work. So I'm gonna slip it in here and then I'm gonna learn, does this work? Ooh, I gotta, can't use that again. Or oh I need to actually make that even better because it does work. You got to just focus on that process and and really asking yourself every day, what did I do today to move the business forward, to move my career forward? And it can be as, Hey, I sent two emails out to two different meeting planners or associations, or I spent 20 minutes just working on a story that I want to tell on stage. And so that's what I always go back to is that process. And don't worry about the there, the end goal, wherever you're trying to get to it's the compete. It's my compete every day. What are you doing today to get a little bit better and just work that process, knowing that your team is incredible. I mean, even Eric uh, hopped on calls with me when I had this consulting opportunity and talked me through, Hey, here's how I'd package it. Here's things to think about. Here's this. There's just so much information that people who don't take action and don't ask are completely leaving on the table. And that leaves you in a bad position later because you're like, Oh, I wish I'd started five years ago. And then in five more years, you're like, I wish I'd started five years ago Mm -hmm. or 10 years ago, instead of saying, hey, everybody's starting to open back up, even though it's kind of a recession, groups are having events, people are excited to be back in person, like this is a great opportunity to get reps and really start to build that career.
0: Yeah. Very true. And, and and so much of what we say, as far as like, this works, if you do the work, speaking is very much a momentum business. You plant a lot of seeds and you may not see anything happening, but that doesn't mean nothing's happening behind the scenes. And like all those things that those adages we say all the time here on the show, and we tell students is, is the stuff that you're again, living proof of. And so just, it works if you do the work and you've put in the work and you've reaped the benefits because of that. So huge, huge props to you. And so okay. let's, uh, let's shift gears for a second. So we've kind of alluded to, um, you're invited to do a gig and you know like a lot of gigs they tend to be kind of one-off gigs this one has kind of evolved into something uh, certainly much bigger so kind of talk us through that evolution what's happened and what that's led to
1: yeah so most of my work as a speaker has been go in do a keynote occasionally do a workshop or a breakout that's it we're the mercenaries we come in we deliver the value we leave i did a little bit of one-on-one coaching for some sales professionals on the side to kind of build the habits and systems October, I get booked to do a keynote uh in South Florida with a group. And after the event, the CEO pulls me aside and was like, I want you to do more of that with us. And I was like, like another keynote. He's like, No, no, no. I want you to coach me and I want you to coach our team on these things you're talking about. And I was like, ah, I don't really do that. Like in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, long term I want to build out a system and uh you know, the old school DVDs that motivational speakers had with companies. Like I'm thinking through all of where I want to be one day, but like, I was like, ah, oh, right now let's, let's have a talk in two weeks, two weeks later we get on a, on a zoom call and he laughs. He's like, I'm a hundred percent serious on this. Mm. I want you to do this. I think you can do this. Even if you've never coached someone like me and he's incredibly successful resume. If you look at his LinkedIn, spent time in the capital markets, uh, very driven personality. And he was like, this is me telling you, you need to level up. And I laughed because I was like, cool, throw my own stuff back in my face. And I said, cool here, let's take a look. So then I actually, I talked to you. I talked to Eric, put together an offer to say, Hey, if I was going to consult and coach with your company, here's what it would look like. And so we started that arrangement in January. I would go spend two days on site with their team. I would do small group, Essentially, breakouts and workshops, teaching them uh, habits, teaching them mental performance, teaching them compet- how to build this competitive attitude and mindset in your daily processes. And about three-ish months in, he starts casually recruiting me. And I kind of laugh. I say, you know, one, you can't afford me uh, because in my head, I'm like, this is where I'm going with speaking right now. This is what I'm yeah. doing. Like I got the momentum. And he's like, let's, let's have a conversation. So we had it for about three months. And he came back with an offer to be a fractional executive. So essentially they're head of performance and I'll be in charge of KPIs and coaching their team. In addition to, I still keep all my speaking opportunities and gigs. He said, still run, compete every day. Still go speak, just come into the office a couple of days a week. And then eventually if this works long-term, we'd love for you to be based out of South Florida where we are. So it's a little bit easier um, and less travel. And so we went back and forth, talked to my wife. the The revenue level was too much to say no to at the time, um, mainly because it created an opportunity to speed up our long term goals. Um, but additionally, in my head, I saw it as kind of a, a no lose. We got a six to eight month courting phase to say, "Hey, does this work with me being in house with your team and still going out and speaking? Does if." As the company is continuing to grow, if I am your C-suite executive and one of your top two individuals, if we end up taking this company on its current pace from a $10 million a year to a $100 million a year organization and I'm head of performance, how many doors does that open for me on the speaking circuit? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's something I don't have. I've never been in a corporate role. I've never been in a C-suite. I've always been the entrepreneur building it on my own. So that changes the dynamic of the type of conversations I can have, which further raises what my B is as well as who I can get in front of from a conversation standpoint. And we saw it kind of as a test. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's a great learning experience. Um, and so it's giving me a ton of content. And so I just started, uh, with them as kind of that fractional exec, I'm still traveling once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week to go do keynotes with clients. None of that changes. I just the only thing we have an agreement on is a non-compete with any direct competitors. And so it's kind of fun. it's it's a really cool opportunity and and the mindset that we talked about earlier has shifted because now I'm even pickier on what gigs I want and what gigs I'll go after because my travel and how much I'm doing is so much more full that, I'm charging a higher number and most cases I'm not coming off of that uh, higher number unless it's an opportunity where I'm like, Hey, we could build something long-term here because I just don't really need it at this point. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm incredibly excited about that, but that all became came out of me doing a ton of speaking gigs and trying to get better and work in the process. And then just getting to a level teaching to where a client was like, Hey, I want you to do this. And then delivering, which is, As we know, it's one thing to get the gig, which is a lot of hard work, but then you got to deliver. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I go back to on that.
0: That's crazy man. So again in summary there, client you started working with uh you know almost at this point a, a year ago or so and they say hey we're going to keep bringing you back to the point of hey can we you know hire you and uh, ultimately being able to ha- kind of have your cake and eat it too. I'm going to go deep with this one particular client that's going to help kind of build up my resume and give me some credibility with other potential clients I may work with. But at the same time I can continue to do you know 40 50 60 speaking gigs a year. They're cool with that. They're aware of it. And so again you you really get the best of both worlds. So what's the downside here of of doing something like this?
1: Yeah. So the the only downside we actually looked at is would it slow my momentum because it cuts down the amount of stages I'm going to go after and I'm not going to be on as many. Um, And that's just from an awareness standpoint. However, why do you get on more stages? Well, to get a bigger audience, to command a higher fee, to build bigger, get in front of bigger clients. And I've kind of cut that out because now I have a substantial salary and bonus structure with them as a part-time executive and I'm still not giving up the speaking. So I get to keep the momentum. So it, it really was a, you know, not a, a, really a downside to it other than the just extended travel on the family side as I'm going back and forth. Um, but it's, it's kind of the mentality of, you know, Carrie challenged me of instead of going after 50 gigs a year, it, 10 to 15 a pop, what if you went after five to 10 and built longer relationships where you could really incorporate change on that, I'll keynote your major event, but then let's talk about consulting and implementation because there's nothing more disheartening as a speaker when you go speak at an event or to a company, and then there's no follow through, either because they don't know how to, or you were just supposed to fire folks up. You want people to change. You want to help them be better. And so this is kind of the opportunity to say, let's figure this out. And if it doesn't work, I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. I'm not losing a ton of momentum in a few months. Um, we're still booking and still getting out doing gigs. But if it does work, what could happen?
0: Yeah. It also feels like it's it's almost like a a laboratory where you can kind of, I I can experiment on some content. I can experiment on working with people and going deep with people, seeing what resonates. And there's probably elements of that that then you can take to help do more coaching consulting, uh, in addition to the speaking that you're doing with outside clients. Um, but this is just a, again, kind of a, a laboratory where you can kind of experiment and see what resonates and what works.
1: Yeah. No. And, it, and it's funny. The CEO's actually laughed a few times because he listens to my podcast. He's like, did, did, did so-and-so at our company inspire that? I was like, 100%. I said, you know, <laughs> some of the conversations I've had coaches. So I'm getting content and ideas. And like you said, I'm testing. Let's try this with you. Does this work? Does it not? And it also gives me additional ammo for what else I'm teaching uh, in other places or eventually that next book.
0: Yeah. So uh, obviously in this situation, it kind of came about organically and, and over a period of time, it's not going to be one of those things that, you know, a first date that all of a sudden is going to turn into this, this career opportunity. But for someone who may be in a similar spot of going, I've done some speaking, I've done some consulting, I've done some coaching. Here's one particular client on my radar that uh, maybe I've done a couple of repeat things. with. we have a good rapport, good connection, I'd love to do more with them, go deeper in the trenches with them. How would you go about navigating that conversations? You know, what could that look like? Any advice that you would have uh, now that you've kind of gone through it over the past six months or so?
1: Yeah, and, and actually I've done it with a couple of other clients on a smaller scale, not to where I'll step in fractionally, but built, hey, I did a keynote. I did another keynote. Hey, let's do a leadership development program with your team over the next eight to 12 months. So it really starts with, you got to nail the gig first. So once you have that relationship, then add, then follow up. Don't follow up, ask, for forgive. Hey, of the things we talked about, what are kind of the biggest pain points you're still seeing in your team or on the things that we talked about in the keynote, where maybe either you're feeling friction or wanting additional help, get some insight from them of where there are opportunities and then say, Oh, that's fantastic. Well, know if you're interested i'd love to talk about maybe how we can extend the life of that 60-minute keynote into a six-month working relationship and i'll take you through x y and z model to help your team i mean that's kind of what i did with one of my construction clients of we did a quarterly lunch and learn because they wanted to go deeper on some of the content with their developing leaders we did a year of it recounted afterwards hey feel like a year was too much for this. And yeah, absolutely. Let's do it next year, but let's do it quarterly and let's just do all classes. So then it increases for me, the fee and the touch points with them, but it all goes back to continuing conversations. Most and a lot of speakers, just like a lot of people in sales, we don't follow up. Mm -hmm. Maybe we follow up on the sales side, but we never follow up on the back end to say, Hey, you know, can I get a, you know, who, who would you know in your network that may be a good fit for this? But on the same side, not even asking the referral or the recommendation or the LinkedIn thumbs up, but hey, there are additional opportunities in your company and let's create them together. There's a lot of speakers that, I mean, we don't, most of us, I'll be honest, maybe some of us don't, but when you're first getting going on this, you don't create the curriculum until you have the gig. You know what the client wants, you know what problem they have, you know your content. And then it said, okay, this is the challenge. What would it look like if I made a 12 month program out of it? And then on a smaller budget, if I did a four month program for it, and then you can give them both options and we can create something. So it's all about just asking and getting to the root of it versus, Hey, I did the gig. It's great. I'll follow up next year when you have another event or in two years when hopefully you'll book me again.
0: How have you kind of figured out uh, pricing for something like this? Because whenever you're doing like consistent gigs and it's gone, I do, you know, I do an hour keynote and I know what that fee is. And it's just, it's pretty standard more or less, you know? Yeah. But when for something like this, where, you know, Hey, can you do a bunch of one-on-one coaching? Can you do some group training? Can you just do some uh, consult? And it's just kind of like a hodgepodge of different services that come together. That's certainly going to take probably more time than what a uh, a one-hour keynote would, would be that you've done time and time and time again. So how did you kind of Figure out what pricing would be not only with this this kind of primary client, but some of these other kind of one off, uh, you know, six month, twelve month contracts that you're doing.
1: Yeah, so uh, doing it wrong and realizing you've underpriced yourself for the amount of work you've done uh, that's a great way to learn it. The other is you know you were a valuable resource. Eric was a valuable resource. Uh, a couple other speakers in our network that have done this kind of thing just talking to everything I needed to think about that I probably wasn't thinking about when I was putting the outline together and then putting a number on there that I kind of did it as a menu. And so I put a number on there that really excited me. Yeah. And I wanted it to excite me because if I was going to invest this much time and energy, I didn't want it to be like, oh, this is a low number and I'm kind of dragging into it. Yeah. So I put a number that excited me and then I could have the talk with the with the client of like, where are you? Like, let's talk about, okay, cool. What are the things on this menu that we can pull out then that aren't essential for you? So then as I decrease that number to maybe get where they are, I've also pulled out a lot of the responsibilities and tasks that I would have done. No different than what I do with the keynote. Here's my fee. Here's everything that comes in the keynote. Your budget's a little bit lower. Okay, well, I'm going to take this out and take this out and maybe take this out. And then you feel good about it because you feel like you've gotten down. I feel good about it because I've just removed a lot of excess responsibilities for the event that normally wouldn't do. And I'll create an opportunity on the back end to talk consulting. So I underbid it. Usually I started and looked at them as, hey, what did I do a keynote or workshop for you? Okay, well, if I'm going to do six more lunch and learn type programs, then I'm just going to consider each one a keynote. And maybe I'll bundle it for like 500 or a thousand off. But for the most part, I'm going to treat them as each one. So that's one way to do it. But I found like that's a, a tougher one initially because you're creating all the content the first time. Mm-hmm. But now I have all that content and curriculum. So then it's an easy change for any other company. So you have to know going in the first one, you're going to put in way more work on it than you will on the others. But you're going to build the outline that becomes way more repeatable in the future that you can then just tweak and customize with each client.
0: So is it always um, is it, like, again, with the keynote, it's pretty standard for the most part. I mean, you're going to, yep. have, you know, five, 10% customization, but do you find whenever it comes to the, um, uh, to the consulting coaching packages, that's kind of like, okay, I know what that, that big, you know, marquee menu item is, and then we can kind of like chop off some items from there, depending on what they're looking for, or is it always going to be kind of custom or how do you, how do you approach it from the beginning?
1: Yeah, so the large group in Florida was pretty custom. We went in with an agenda, but then as it started going, they saw opportunities for additional coaching. So we put a high-level curriculum calendar together, and that kind of went in went out the window once we started working together and I was able to add some value in other areas and like this is really where we need help. And I was okay given what they were paying monthly, the time commitments didn't change. It was really a little less work because it was more of the interactive Most of the clients, I kind of have the high level content and pieces there already. I just kind of do a little bit of customization on it. And what I'm trying to do right now personally is build out 12 to 18 month evergreen type content that I can record, have the online library for, and then be able to license out to groups of, you can bring me in to do it, or I have this other option, which is the old school speaker way. Um, and, and so trying to build that out so all the legwork is done up front, you're still going to get the same content if I'm in person, but you know, it's an easier access virtually. So I, I, I really don't. I think you know, for the most part, you want to have it systemized. Your process is systemized. Your IP, your process is there. You just change in the process how the company talks about it and what solution you're trying to help them get in terms of their mind, it's probably the same problem you're solving for everybody, but somebody thinks it's a, and somebody else thinks it's B you're still going to help them solve a and solve B, but it's kind of the same shared problem. If that makes sense, yeah. at least in terms of they're hiring me. So, yeah. So I don't think it's a whole, you shouldn't have to change it because just like a keynote, you don't want to write a brand new keynote every time you take a stage yeah. because you won't be very good at it. If you're not getting reps telling the same stories and content every single time with just a little bit of adjustments, So I I think your consulting should kind of be the same thing. You have the same core principles, always on repeat. You just may package them a little bit different depending on who the client is.
0: Yeah, Uh, Let's wrap up with this. A couple of questions. One is, as we kind of look toward the future, you mentioned um, uh, one, we've, we've, you know, we've gone through a pandemic a couple of years ago that really birthed virtual, uh, which wasn't largely wasn't a thing prior to. Uh, I'm curious, one, how virtual is kind of fitting into your business both now and into the future. But then two, also, as you kind of alluded to, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about a recession, potential recession. Are we in it? Are we not? Are we going to, is it going to be worse? How's it affecting, you know, companies economy? Like, what are you kind of seeing there? So yeah, Talk to us about both of those yep. as far as uh, virtual and the economy and what the the future of your business looks like.
1: So even though I get to see your beautiful mug right here on Zoom, I am not a virtual fan uh, solely because for me, I'm a very high energy guy when I'm speaking, engaging the room. And it takes even more to do half of that on Zoom. Like it's, yeah. just, it's a very exhausting and I also feel like most everybody's kind of zoomed out. So I'll only do Zoom for a special client um, or what I've started doing is packaging Zoom as a way to extend additional speaking opportunities and increase the revenue of a fee. So have a client, did a keynote. Hey, we would love to do additional work together. What'd you have in mind? Their budget did not align with what they wanted. So I was like, hey, cool. What if, what if in six months we did a virtual Zoom program for 60 minutes and then we'll do an in-person keynote again in December that builds on it. So the virtual will build on what we just did. And then the in-person will build on both yeah. all for it because I can get, I can have a little more flexibility and fee if I can open up my computer, do a presentation in an hour and get out versus getting on a plane, staying in a hotel, going through all of that and taking multiple days off the calendar. So it's rare that I'm doing a standalone virtual pro, uh, program anymore uh, the only one that I've done as a standalone in the last six months uh, was for a client in uh, in DFW and they literally booked me a month out. They were like, hey, we have an event. It's virtual. Are you free? I was home. I was open. They wanted me for 30 minutes. They had a decent budget. I said, absolutely. Let's do it. It was one of those like, you have nowhere to be. The wife's out of town. Yeah. Got to open Friday. It's me and the dogs. Let's do it. Uh, that has ended up they followed up literally the next day and booked me for their in-person event in September. That so nice. that was a pretty good choice to make on it. But yeah. for the most part, I'm only looking at virtual as a way to add on additional value to get them even to a higher fee of, hey, here's my keynote fee. Say it's 20. Your budget's, man, your budget's like 10 to 15 per. I don't think we can get up to 20. Okay, what if uh, what if we did two? What if I did your in-person keynote for 60 and say in three months, just to make sure your team is implementing everything we're going to talk about, we'll do a 30 to 45 minute Zoom presentation or a live Q&A. Would that help you find additional budget revenue in your training budget? Well, that opens a whole other conversation because now you're giving them more, but it's not really additional work on my end other than 30 minutes to help make sure they're implementing what I talked about in the first place. Oh. So that's where I look at it as kind of a menu item to build on. And I know some people, they love virtual. They want to stay on it. I just feel like getting referrals, getting repeat business is, is much harder in the Zoom setting because you don't get the pre-event and the post-event interaction with people that you do in a live event. And that was the one thing I saw the last couple of years is I had some killer Zoom presentations. And I know that sounds super arrogant, but I felt like I crushed it. The event planner thought I crushed it, but I got zero interaction with the people other than that window. And I didn't get referrals out of it. And it's really hard for me now not to get a referral or an introduction or something out of an in-person event. And so that's another reason I tend to avoid them and just use them as a value add.
0: Very cool. What are you thinking, uh, what the future of speaking looks like in terms of the economy?
1: Yeah, so being in sales and leadership, there's always a call for that. Because in good times you want the sales to keep going and find a way to get above your comp- competition and when the economy and everybody's struggling, you need sales to generate revenue. So the markets I'm in tend to work really well regardless. It's kind of like my friends that are in the booze industry. everybody drinks when they're happy and they drink when they're sad, so they're all slain product. But I think on the whole, there's a mix. I think there are a handful of industries that are seeing struggle. I mean retail, I'm seeing it on that half of my business with cost and everything else. But I think that paired with the just built up anticipation of everybody wanting to be back together, maybe not even this year, but next year, I think there's going to, you're going to see the demand for people getting back together in person. And I'm just hearing that from clients that are doing their first in-person event this summer and this fall of like you know, we thought about it, hasn't quite been the best quarter, but like we need to be around each other again. And so there's a really good opportunity. So the thing I'll go back to on the economy and everything else, if you can solve a problem for a company that helps their people perform better, help them sell more, help them grow, gain market share, work better, there's always an opportunity for that. Because no matter what the industry says, you can position yourself of how you can help that organization in that booming or that bust economy. So that goes back to the most important of know the problem you solve, know the market you serve, work that process, and then get really good at telling that story. And so I don't necessarily worry as much of, hey, we have another recession and people aren't doing as big events. Okay, cool. We'll do Zoom again. We did it in COVID. Maybe I'll have a little extra time. I'll work on the next book. Um, all of those pieces come into it. But when you're the speaker and you're focusing on the solution, you can create those opportunities. And, and it's really cool for those in this community. Look at the speakers grants brought on, look at how many different ways their businesses are set up. I mean, I have apparel, I have the podcast, I have the book. I have co- Mine looks very different than, you know, our buddy Alan Stein writes his book and does his speaking and that's Alan's business. And yeah. so, everybody's is different. So you have to find what works for you, but if you can solve a problem, you're able to help those companies regardless of the market.
0: Yeah very good jake we appreciate you taking a minute sharing your insights your journey with us congrats on this new gig and i mean you, truly you're you're a, a serious inspiration uh to speakers who again you you had this dream this idea this goal like i i, I could do that like oh i should be up there and to have that you know five years ago to the point where now uh again you're you're well on your way to uh generating a million dollars in a year as a speaker which is very rarefied air and even the fact that you're doing you know several multiple uh six figures is, is very very significant so huge, huge props. Congrats to you, man. And uh, thanks for taking a minute. And if people want to find out more about you, uh, where, where can we go? Easiest
1: place, uh, competeeveryday.com. That's the hub for me. And then any of my stuff, find me on LinkedIn, find me on Instagram, Jake Thompson Speaks. Uh, I talk to a lot of you here in Speaker Lab and always happy to be a resource.
0: Awesome. Thanks, brother. We appreciate you. All right. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening? Right now, hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them, and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. Com. We've got a ton of free resources and tools there. And you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.